Right, will you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. And we will read verses 15 to 23. Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 to 23. And I shall read it from the New Living Translation. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But, but they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the street and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Every time we come to the house of God, be it for a Friday service such as this or any other service, you are coming for a banquet. A banquet is more than just lunch or dinner. A banquet is when you have the best of everything. The whole works is laid out in front of you. And every time you come to church, God lays out his word for you and me to enjoy. It's for us to feast upon it. Every time you listen to the word of God, it should be a feast to your inner being. It shouldn't be just an appetizer or it shouldn't be just a mundane meal. The word of God that he lays out in front of us is a feast to our inner being. And a banquet is never held for a single person. A banquet is never held for a small group of people. A banquet is always held for large groups of people. Just read verse 23 of the passage we read. It ends by saying, So that the house will be full. A banquet needs to have the place filled with people. Today we have moved into a bigger house. A bigger house of prayer, a bigger house to worship, a bigger house to receive God's word, a bigger banquet hall, if you wish. But if you look around, we are only half full. Or in other words, we are half empty. Something needs to be done about it. Now, this is not what God wants in his house. God wants a full house. God doesn't want to see any seat vacant. God wants to see every place 
in this hall filled with his people. And therefore, the title of today's message is very simply this. Two words, a full house. Two words, a full house. And so, what is the key to having a full house? Can you imagine what the key is to having a full house? Can you tell me what it is? An invite, an invitation. The key to having a full house, the key to having no empty chair, is an invitation. And so for the next couple of weeks, maybe extending into a few months, you and I have to learn to speak one word. And that word is come. Come. Every person you meet, come. That's the invitation you're going to give. Go to your parents. Are they in the city of Muscat? Go to your brothers. Are they in the city of Muscat? Go to your sisters. Your relatives. Are they in the city of Muscat? Tell them, come. Come to the house of God. Go to your friends. Go to your neighbors. Go to your colleagues and tell them, come. Go to your hairdresser. Go to your tailor. Go to the garage man who services your car and tell them, come. Go to the man you meet on the street and tell him one word, come. That is an invitation. And that is the word we all need to learn to use over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. Midway through this year, this hall needs to be filled. There's got to be no empty place. And then we will tell our pastor, go back to PCO and ask them to build a bigger hall. This hall is not enough for us. We need more space. That's what we need to do. That's got to be our vision. God said he needs a full house. God is not happy with an empty house. And you see, there are advantages. There's a problem of a little echo at the moment. Am I right? Fill the house. The echo will go down. The solution to the problem of echo is fill the house with people. Get more people, you will not have an echo problem. An empty vessel makes noise. When the hall is empty, you get an echo. So, it's our task. Get the people in. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, as we read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, this is what he said to his first disciples. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What he said to them simply was this. Come, follow me. Come with me. That was the word he used. And midway through his ministry on earth, Jesus said this, as it is written in John 7, verse 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Come. That's our operative word. That's the word we are going to use. In Mark 16, verse 15, 
God said, go preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere means anyone anywhere. And if this is the place, bring them here. It's anyone. Everyone. Nobody is excluded. God said, go preach the word to everyone. Everybody. Any person that you know, that you see, that you meet, preach the word. If you have to bring them here to explain the word to them, ask them to come. Tell them, come. And we will do something more. Out there in the world around you are many people who are thirsting, thirsting for God, hungry for the word of God. Can you be that one person who will go up to the thirsty and hungry and say, come, I invite you to the house of God. This church is very well known as a giving church. We give. We are well known as a giving church. And we heard that in our last uh, general body meeting, our members meeting. More than 80% of what comes in goes out. It's being given out. But today, God is reminding us that that is not enough. It's good that we are a giving church. But he says, you also need to be an inviting church. You need to be a church which invites. Your giving is fine. Invite people. Be an inviting church. Be a giving church. Be an inviting church. Statistics tells us that more than 87% of people who come to church and stay do so because someone invited them in. More than 87% of people come to church and stay in church because someone invited them to church. For many of us, we are in church today because at some point of time in history, somebody invited us. Somebody said, come to church. Somebody did not feel embarrassed. Somebody did not feel bad. Somebody took the word of God and decided to act upon it. And they said, come into the house of the Lord. And today you and I are blessed to be in the house of the Lord. 87% of people who come to church and stay in church come in because of someone's invitation. People are only an invitation away. Many people you and I know are only an invitation away. They are ready to come, but they will not come till they are invited. In Luke 10, chapter 2, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus says this, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The people are ready to come, but they will not come unless they are invited. This is a banquet. You just don't walk into a banquet. You need to have an invitation to get to a banquet. There's a whole bunch of people outside who are ready to come, who are ready to taste the banquet, who are thirsting for this banquet that you and I taste all the time. 
And they're only asking one question. Can't somebody give me an invitation? Can't somebody say, come and I will come? People are ready. Are you ready to call? People are ready to come. Are you ready to call? Now, why is it? We do not want to invite people, our friends, to church. There may be many reasons. And let me just list out a few. You may have more reasons. We have no non-church-going friends. Wonderful, isn't it? All our friends go to church. I don't know anybody who does not go to church. All our friends go to church. I, have, I know no one who does not go to church. And so they're already in church. Who else do I invite? Excuse number one. Is that really true? It can't be true. You can't be a group of people who have only church-growing friends. You need to expand your territory. My friend said no last year. Last time I called him, he said no. So I'm not going to invite him again. Don't take no for an answer. No's will always be followed by yes. Don't take no for an answer. What if it damages my friendship? What if it damages my friendship? What if it damages my relationship with that person? That's excuse number three. Our services and the people of our church are so unpredictable. Might be true. Are you offended by that? That you can't call your friend? I fear what the congregation will think of my friends. Maybe my friends look different from the rest of us. Maybe my friends look weird compared to the rest of us. What will my congregation think when I bring my friends? I am afraid my friends will reject the church. I am afraid my church will reject my friends. Or another excuse. I don't know what to say. What am I supposed to say? I don't know what to say. Another excuse. Church is boring. Church is boring. Yet another excuse. It's not my job, it's the pastor's job. Now these are all statements that have been quoted in the past. Not one of them is my own. All of these are true statements. And there are many more. I've just picked up ten. You might have heard more, you might have said more. But I pray that we will not use these excuses anymore and neither will we create new excuses. Because as per the Bible, our task is to go and invite people into the church. The house has to be full and the house is not yet full. Go out into the countryside. Go out into the back lanes. Go out and look for people and bring them into the house. My house needs to be full. 
So the next issue really is, who do we invite? We found excuses. Okay, we're going to stop those excuses. Now, who do I invite? Verse 21 of Luke 14 tells us this. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. When you look at the chaotic world around you, you see that everyone who does not know the Lord is spiritually poor, or spiritually crippled, or lame, or spiritually blind. In other words, every unsaved soul is your potential target. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. Look for the spiritually blind, the spiritually deaf, the spiritually lame. Bring them in. Go out. The whole world is filled with them. Let us stop evangelizing the evangelized and instead focus on inviting the lost. Now, if you wish to categorize people into groups, and as I've told you in the past, uh, I'm fond of categorizing different things into different groups, I've realized that you can categorize your invitee friends or invitee groups into three groups. Number one, those who know you well. Those who know you well. Psychosocial studies claim that every adult generally knows about 150 to 200 people well. That means each one of us, if we actually took a piece of paper and wrote down the names of every person we knew well, that list will run to about 150 to 200 people on an average. Some might have a little less, many might have more. But the average is 150 to 200 people. Each of us knows such people well. This includes family, this includes friends, this includes neighbors, and this includes colleagues. This is your circle of influence. You have the ability to influence these people. These are the people who talk to you. These are the people who may listen to you. This is the group which is called your circle of influence. This actually is your fishing pond. You don't need to fish elsewhere. This is your fishing pond. To start with, you have a pond of 150 to 200 people at least. And remember, you and I are meant to be fishers of men. So we have a ready-made fishing pond. All we need to do is cast our line and start fishing. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 40 and 41. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him. Now John was speaking about Jesus. Okay, and so one of the two who heard John speak and followed him, that's Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. You see, look at this scenario. The first person Andrew thought about to bring to the Lord was his brother. 
Do you have a brother who does not know the Lord? Do you have a sister who does not know the Lord? That's your first fish. Andrew, when he found the Messiah, he went straight to his brother and said, Come, we have found the Messiah. Here is the man who is the Messiah. Andrew didn't go around looking for somebody else. Andrew didn't go around looking for 5,000 people to minister to and then uh, hopefully things would turn around. He said, no, my family is first. I need to get my brother to the Lord. Do you have brothers? Do you have sisters? Parents who don't know the Lord. Uncles, aunties who don't know the Lord. Andrew went to his brother. Go to one of your immediate relatives. Bring them to the Lord. A few verses later, verses 43 to 46 of the same John 1, we read of Philip bringing Nathanael to Christ. The first day Philip followed Christ, he invited his friend to meet the Lord. Philip went, looked for Nathanael and said, Come, see who I, who, who, who I have found, who I have seen. And Nathanael asked, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But what was Philip's point of view there? He said, I need to get my friend. I need to get him to Christ. You see, where his thoughts went, that's where our thoughts need to go. And if we read Acts 18, you will read the story of Aquila and Priscilla and how they hosted Paul and listened to his discourses. What brought them together? They were all tent makers. They were colleagues in the tent-making profession. Do you have colleagues? You all do the same job. Maybe you're teachers. Maybe you're accountants. Maybe you're nurses. Whatever it is, you have colleagues. You're time, to, time and again, you're put together. Bring people to the Lord. Bring people to the house of God. That's what Paul did with Aquila and Priscilla. And later, they themselves became people who would correct others. When people were preaching about the Lord, Aquila and Priscilla would go to them and tell them how to sharpen themselves, how to get better. What was the connection? Colleagues, tent makers, they all worked together. That's the point. That's your circle of influence. Paul influenced these two people. These two people influenced others. We have a circle of influence. In John 4, we read the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. Towards the end of that passage, we read that the woman went back to her village, to her neighbors and told them, Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this man be the Messiah? One woman invited her neighbors to meet Jesus Christ. Do we have neighbors? Have you told your neighbor? Come meet the man who gave me life. Come meet the man who has promised me eternal life. Have you told your neighbors that? That is your fishing point.
87% of people who come to church will come from this group. Friends, relatives, colleagues, neighbors. We don't need to look much further than this. Clearly, our biggest opportunity to issue invitations is to those around us most of the time. Our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors. Remember that figure, 87%. They come from this group. Group number two. Those who cross your path occasionally. These are people you come across on an occasional basis. It may be your hairdresser. It may be your tailor. It may be the guy who services your car. Or the waiter at the restaurant you frequently visit. The key here is simply to be sensitive to what God is telling you about their circumstance and situation. Maybe that person is looking for a word of encouragement. Maybe all they want to hear from you is, God bless you. And the minute they hear those three words, God bless you, they will take that as an opening to tell you their issues, to tell you their problems. It's there in the back of their mind that if somebody comes and says, God bless you, that's the person who's going to whom I can talk to because that person can pray with me. That person can take me to God. That person can show me the way to get to God. I have problems. Will somebody come into my office? Will somebody come into my saloon? Will somebody come into my garage? And just say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. And then I will open out. These are the people we don't meet on a regular basis. These are people we meet occasionally. But we could always use a word of encouragement. We could always say, God bless you. Because you never know when the floodgates are going to open. You never know. That may be the only word that they're waiting for. And then they will come to you. And then you can tell them, come to the house of God. Be ready with your invitation. Every time for everyone. Group number three. Those who God brings your way. God has a unique way of creating opportunities for you to meet people. There was a pastor of a church in Bangalore who one year decided to celebrate India's Republic Day. India's Republic Day, for those of you who are not too sure, falls on January 26th. He told his church that they would have a flag-hoisting ceremony and they would all sing the national anthem. He decided to invite the city commissioner and the chief justice of the high court both of whom were Hindus, as the chief guest and the guest of honor. So on January 26th that year, that church hoisted the Indian flag and sang the Indian national anthem. But in addition to all of this, the pastor gave a very brief message. And he gave a unique message. He spoke of how Indian soldiers had laid down their lives To win freedom for all Indians from the tyrannical rule of the British. 
he then went on to say of how Jesus laid down his life so that every person could gain freedom from the tyranny of sin and Satan. There were many people there who did not know the Lord. There were many people who came with the police commissioner. There were many people who came with the chief justice of the high court. The people who hang around with them. This pastor used that flag hoisting ceremony as an opportunity to tell them that there was a man who laid down his life so that you and I could taste freedom. He used the scenario of India's freedom struggle to talk about freedom from sin and death. Look for opportunities. <coughs> it comes in strange ways. In Acts chapter 16, verses 13 to 15, we read of how Paul and Silas and Timothy went to the riverside one Sabbath evening and met the women who had come there. That day, Lydia and her household heeded the things spoken by Paul and were baptized. You see, Paul went to that riverside. God brought certain people there. God brought the women there. Paul spoke. One family received the Lord Jesus Christ. God is always at work around us. And God creates opportunities. Be ready with your invitation. Apostle Paul gives us a clue as to how to invite people. How do you invite the lost? Turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 4. We start at verse 2, then we'll jump to verse 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Verse 5 and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. King James Version says, seasoned with salt, so that you will have the right response for everyone. That's Paul's clue as to how to invite the lost. Number one, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind. So never go and invite somebody without telling God about that first. You're not going in your strength. Your invitation is not your invitation. You are the channel. You are doing something because you are an ambassador for Christ. And when an ambassador invites somebody, he does it not in his personal capacity, but as a representative of the one who sent him. If you are an ambassador for Christ, every invitation you make is not in your personal capacity. It is in your capacity as a representative for Christ. So when you say come to the house of God, you are communicating God's invitation 
to a particular person. So what does Paul say? Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind. That's number one. And then in verse 5 and 6, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Look for chances. Look for opportunities. Don't be blind. Let your eyes be opened. Let your ears be opened. Open your mouth only when necessary. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive, seasoned with salt, that you will have the right response for everyone. See, that's the way you invite people. That's the way you bring people to church. Max Lucado tells of something he learned when he was in high school. One day, his dad took Max and his friends Bob and Carlos for a fishing weekend. That day they fished in the river and caught many fish and had a jolly good time. Unfortunately, the rains came the next day and so they couldn't fish. Instead, they decided to stay in their camper and play the game of Monopoly. In the course of that day, there were a series of fights between Max and Bob and Carlos. And, at that, and that night, as he was lying in his sleeping bag, the thought that came to Max and remained with, with him the rest of his life was simply this. When those who ought to fish stop fishing, they start fighting. When those who ought to fish stop fishing, they start fighting. You and I are fishers of men, not fighters of men. You and I have to go out there and fish. That's our task. God has not called us to be fighters. God has called us to be fishers of men. As I end, let me add something on the power of an invitation. Invitations are personal. An invitation makes the invitee feel important. It tells the invitee that you are concerned for his or her future. When you get an invitation, you feel important. Somebody is thinking about me. So invitations are personal. Number two, invitations are special. An invitation makes the invitee feel special. It tells the invitee that you have chosen him or her out of a choice of many. So when you get an invitation, you know that you are special. This invitation could have gone to so many other people, but the invitation came to you. You are special. That's the power of an invitation. Number three, invitations are specific. An invitation brings the invitee to a unique place. Your invitation is to the house of God. It is not to the marketplace or to the nearest shawarma center. It is a place where God is glorified. Your invitation brings the invitee to holy ground. 
So your invitations are personal. Your invitations are special. Your invitations are specific. To conclude, shall we turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In this city, pray that this new hall shall be the Lord's house and all people shall flow into it. Conversion is God's business. Conversation is our business. Today, as you look around, there are many empty seats, plenty of empty spaces. Let us purpose in our minds and in our hearts that each of us will go out there and tell someone, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. As it is written in Luke 14, 23, go out into the country, the lanes and behind the hedges, And urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. That's our objective. The house will be full. Shall we pray? Shall we just thank the Lord that He's given us this new place, more space? more opportunities. And let's tell the Lord that we don't want to be a selfish people. We don't want to have this place all for ourselves. We want to fill this place with more people. Tell the Lord, who do I go to? Show me the person. Is it my father? Is it my brother? Is it my sister? Is it my mother? Is it my friend, my colleague? Is it someone I meet once in a while? God, put the words in my mouth. Give me that boldness. Let me be truly an ambassador for you. Let me be that kind of a person who hands out invitations and say, come to the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Gracious Father, we praise you once again. For your presence. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. Lord, we thank you for the word which you have given us today.
as an encouragement and as a challenge and also as a commandment as you did with your disciples even today we are reminded through your servant lord we are called unto you to know you to learn from you and send forth to bring many more into your kingdom into your house yes dear father indeed you are blessed us in all the way personally spiritually financially and as a family as a church lord before end of end of this year lord we believe you will give us the grace lord you will guide us and you will lead us to bring many more to fill your house of father yes dear father let this house be filled by your people and your name be glorified as you bless us help us to your blessing by sharing the gospel what you taught us oh father what we know from our own life oh father yes dear father we will take this as a challenge of this day this is the first day first week of the second month day of seven seventh of this month oh father this will be a very remarkable day in our life we will remember this when every day whenever we come and bring the new souls into his house thank you for ministering us once again continue to be with us in the rest of the time as we are going to meditate and take part in the table that you kept for us lord be with us it is also a privilege and as a celebration as you are speaking to us from the beginning father you are set us free we are going to celebrate that freedom what you have given to us in jesus precious name we are praying amen now is the time for us to go to the lord's table before we go let us read from first corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23 onwards for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes 
Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. In this portion, there are many things for us to know. First of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, as He did this, as He was on the earth. First thing for us to know is, thank God. It is a time of thanksgiving once again. From the verse 21 to 27, if you go through it, it says, give thanks. Give thanks. For, both, for what? For both the body and the flesh. We have to thank God. Secondly, it is a time of remembrance. What is the remember? What to remember? The deliverance what God gave you, even as he was in the Old Testament time, from the Egypt, and he has given us to know him and to become his children. So he is the one who set us free from forgiven all our sins and set us free from all kinds of bondages of this world. So it is a time of remembrance, the memorial. And it is also a time of fellowship. It is called communion. We are come together in union. So in this case, we should not it's a time of communion as a, as a fellowship means we should remember. We should not have any hatred or a bitterness against anyone. So, before we come, it's a time for us to reconcile before God, that is with God, and also confess before Him for whatever the reason or whom, with whomever you have a bitterness or hatred and ask forgiveness from the Lord. So it is a time of fellowship and also it is a time of proclamation. As we heard the gospel today, it's a time, it's a reminder to proclaim God's death to this world. We know how we know Christ. So how do we introduce Christ? Without death, there is no salvation. So, because Jesus Christ has died on the cross, we are saved today. So, we have to proclaim this gospel to the world. So, when we come together, it reminds us of proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And it is a time of anticipation or expectation in the sense, expecting the Lord to come. So, it is not the end that is what the reminder is. We should do this until the Lord Jesus Christ has come. So, dear children of God, when you come to take part in this communion, in this table, please be reminded, first of all, thanking God. 
secondly remember what the deliverance what god has given to us set us free from our sins and also it's a time of fellowship and it's a time to remember about the proclamation of the gospel today as we heard the gospel message we will be also reminded when you are taking part in this communion proclaiming the gospel to the world and the anticipation of christ as he is going to come so prepare your heart made up your mind and if you have anything against anybody or against god and his word pray now confess before him and be assured god forgiven you and you will come rejoicingly and take part in this table let's close our eyes look unto the lord ask for god to forgive us cleanse us with with the precious blood of his son jesus gracious heavenly father once again our heart rejoices as you have spoken us to our hearts and you are reminded us lord we thank you for the table which you kept before us we are privileged to have it lord we also remember you came to this world lord you have gone through many sufferings you have died on the cross you gave your life and you are buried you rose again and today you are the coming king father we thank you for the fellowship what you have given to us even though it's a foreign land we are together as your children the very identity is we are christians christ is in our hearts in our life he is the center of our life so we thank you for that fellowship what given us father we thank you for the proclamation of your word by the word we came to know you the same word is given to us to go and proclaim for many to know your kingdom father we thank you for the great hope what you have given us lord help us to remain in that hope at the same time prepare ourselves and to prepare everyone those who are around us our families our neighbors our friends our co-workers our colleagues whoever they are let them know christ through our life with this keeping all these things in our mind and in our heart help us to come to have part in this table of father forgive all our sins whatever the unforgiven sin we have now you forgive us make us as the worthy children to take part in this in jesus most exalted name we pray amen please as usual the ushers will guide you so just cooperate with them and those who have believed the lord and accepted the lord as a personal lord and savior they are the one who can take part in this table thank you have you been to jesus for the cleansing part are you washed in the blood of the lamb
begin to thank God right now. These words tell us that there is a fullness in Christ and we have just received of the banqueting table of the Lord. Would you thank God and say, God of your fullness, I have received mercy. God, I give you thanks. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Would you open your mouth and give God thanks and say, God, of your fullness, I have received forgiveness. Of your fullness, I have received righteousness. Of your fullness, I have received victory. Victory from death. God, you destroyed the power of death. You destroyed him that had the power of death. Even the devil. God, we give you thanks. Father, because we have partaken of this, we have become partakers of the resurrection from the dead. We have begotten again a lively hope. We have the fullness of triumph. We give you thanks. Blessed God, your word says, Whoever eats of this bread 
shall never go hungry. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Father, thank you for quenching the thirst of our souls right now. We give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for joy unspeakable, full of glory in our hearts even now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we have drunk of the wine of your grace. Lord, no sweet is sweeter than the nectar of your love. We receive it into our lives even now in Jesus' name. As we go out, we go out in strength. God, you have given us breakthroughs. We will break through in the name of Jesus. To the left and to the right, we will break through in Jesus' name. Father, Baal Perizim is our portion in Jesus' name. Mighty breakthroughs is our portion in the name of Jesus. This month, O Lord, on the seventh, we have partaken of your fullness. God, this month will be full of your glory. In our lives, in Jesus' name. In our families, in the name of Jesus. Lord, at our workplace, we shall break through. In the name of Jesus. In our ministries, we shall break through. In the name of Jesus. With everything that you have put into our hands, God, we shall break through in the name of Jesus. Glory to your name. For every one of your servants who ministered unto you this day, great and mighty portions of blessings in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. As we depart, dismiss us in peace. May your grace and your presence go with us. May we rejoice in your fullness in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace of fellowship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.